You're listening to the CIT Podcast. If you'd like to know more about CIT or like to donate to this ministry, you can find us online at churchintoronto.com, Instagram, or Facebook. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'd love to see you at church this Sunday. We're continuing on our series. It's on discipleship in looking at the, the Gospel of Mark. And we're, we've gone through January, February. We're up to Mark chapter 4. We're going to spend one week on this chapter. Uh, we have a re- and our title is Relentless Growth. Relentless Growth. Uh, and we have a reader this morning who's going to introduce himself and read the verses. Thank you. Thanks, Nigel. Good morning, church. Morning. It is a great privilege to be here reading from the Word of God. My name is Pritam. I come from India. And I came to Canada in July 2019 with my lady, Grace. (laughs) We've been coming to church in Toronto since September 2019. And we've been blessed to meet some of the most wonderful people here in this church. And we thank God that he has made this church a home away from home for us. Today, I'm going to read three parables from the Bible. As I read, you can follow the words on the screen behind me. The first parable, the parable of the sower. Jesus taught them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it didn't have much soil, and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. When the sun came up, it was caught, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it did not produce fruit. Still other seed fell on good ground, and it grew up, producing fruit that increased 30, 60, and 100 times. Then he said, let anyone who has ears to hear listen. The second parable, the parable of the growing seed. The kingdom of God is like this, Jesus said. A man scatters seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows, although he doesn't know how. The soil produces a crop by itself, first the blade, then the head, and then the full grain on the head. As soon as the crop is ready, he sends for the sickle, because the harvest has come. The third parable, the parable of the mustard seed. And Jesus said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable can we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed that, when sown upon the soil, is the smallest of all the seeds on the ground. And when sown, it comes up and grows taller than all the garden plants and produces large branches so that the birds of the sky can nest in its shade. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. So this is Brother Pretem. So afterwards, if you want to introduce yourself, he's going to be available. Uh, he's from India. At the end, we're going to talk about uh, a little bit of history about India, so uh, to help us understand this parable even. Okay, so uh, Jesus taught. So if you're reading through the gospel, it tells you in chapter 1, 2, 3 at various points that Jesus taught, taught the people, taught his disciples. It does not tell us in those chapters what Jesus taught in detail, how Jesus taught. It's when we come to this chapter, chapter 4, is one of the chapters focused on Jesus' teaching. 
Okay, what do we learn from this? Number one, there's a characteristic style of Jesus that he used parables. And even for that time, first century, once in a while, rabbis, whatever, would use, would use parables. However, Jesus often taught in parables. So parables were his common way to convey instruction to people, convey the message. Uh, okay, so what is a parable? A parable, of course, is a story. We read some stories. This is not just a story to entertain people. It's a story to convey a message. And in a particular way, the term itself, parable, think of the word, uh, the first part, para, parallel. It means, the meaning is to lay something beside so it's not directly addressing a situation. Rather, what it's doing is saying, here's the situation, which you're all familiar with. It's happening. Okay, now, here's a story, which I lay beside it. Now, based on that story, look for the correspondences between the story and the situation. And that, looking at that, will help you see the world in a, through a lens which you, you'll see the world differently and respond differently. So Jesus told these kind of parables. The other point to make is Jesus, parables are very memorable. If you simply make a point, it may, right? People may not grasp it. If you're able to convey it in a story, that story may be remembered a long time. Even today, we talk about, we use the term Good Samaritan. So-and-so was a good Samaritan. Okay, where's that from? Answer, Jesus told a parable we know as the parable of the good Samaritan. Prodigal son. A prodigal son is a term sometimes used. Jesus told the story of a prodigal son. So 2,000 years later, we're still using terminology and concepts derived from Jesus' parables. So, okay, in this particular section... We've read in the main part of the chapter is three parables. And they're three parables. They have something in common. They're talking about growing plants. They're agricultural farming parables. So Jesus related what he was doing, his mission for God to bring and spread the kingdom of God. He related to common agricultural happenings, which people were familiar with. People sowing seeds and them growing and harvest, etc. Okay, so we're going to look at these uh, three parables. And here's a, here's a bottom line. Think about what's common to them. In each of these parables, there was a sowing, there's a plant which grew. There's a, there's a, a sowing, there's a growing, and there's a harvest, there's a result. So... Each of the parables, yeah, there's differences, and we'll look at them. The common theme is there's a seed sown, and the result is a bountiful, abundant harvest in each case. The first one, the sower, it's sown on different kinds of ground, soil, yes. But the, the ultimate end product of that story is there's a yield of 30 60 or 100 fold. That is bountiful. 
If you go back to the ancient world, if somebody could get five times, ten times, they're doing well. In that story, which would strike people at the time, Jesus says the good soil produced 30, 60, 100 fold. That is a bountiful harvest beyond the normal, beyond the common, right? So Jesus is saying, and Jesus is saying, what I am doing, I'm preaching, teaching, healing. I'm, view that, compare that to sowing a seed in different ways. What I am doing will result in a bountiful, abundant harvest. This thing, yes, what I'm doing is small, like sowing small seeds. However, what will result ultimately from my mission is an abundant, huge harvest. And between here and there, there will be relentless growth. We will get to a harvest. This mission will not fail. This mission will not end in failure. No, it will result in an abundant harvest. Between here and there, there is relentless growth. Relentless growth in general, in each case. So here's a quote from uh, a scholar related to these, uh, this chapter and these parables. Uh, Maloney says this, Jesus' parables here, these ones, insist on the relentless growth of the kingdom. Despite opposition, despite difficulty, Jesus says, my mission, my kingdom, God's kingdom will grow and it will grow relentlessly and it will end in a harvest. The goal will be attained, right? So it's a prof, these, what Jesus speaking is in fact prophetic, This is not labeled a prophecy, but these parables, these stories are prophetic because what Jesus is saying, what I am beginning, what I am sowing in the future will grow and will produce a great harvest. The small mustard seed will produce a, a, a large mustard bush. The seed sown will produce a hundredfold harvest. The plant sown will grow to a harvest. There's relent- it's prophetic. It will come to, it will arrive where it is supposed to. So uh, let's look at these parables. Another point to, re- to realize is these parables, different parables give you different angles. No one parable or no single parable is meant to tell the whole story of the gospel. There are three seed parables in a row in Mark 4. We read them. And each parable paints a picture of the kingdom from a different angle. So we're going to look at these three briefly. And you've got to ask, what's the angle? And then you put them all together. We need all. When you put them all together, you get a complete picture of what's happening. So let's look at that. Let's start with the second one. Second parable, one reason to do that is this short parable is unique to Mark's gospel. The first parable of the sower is in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You got it four times. This parable, the second one here, you only got once. It's unique to Mark. So Mark must have had a particular reason to have it. And if you like, Matthew and Luke didn't think, didn't, 
We're not making that kind of point. So it's very short and very simple. The kingdom of God is like this. So what Jesus is, my mission, what I am doing, what I'm trying to do is like this. Jesus said, it's like what? Like a man who scatters seed on the ground. He's a farmer, planter. He sleeps and rises night and day, day by day. The seed sprouts and grows, although he, the farmer, doesn't know how. The soil produces a crop by itself. The soil produces a crop by itself. That's important. The Greek word is automate, from which we get the English word automatic. The soil produces a crop automatically by itself, spontaneously. First the blade, then the head, then the full grain on the head. And as soon as the crop is ready, he, the farmer planter, sends forth the sickle because the harvest has come. That's the story. Notice the following. The farmer planter is involved at the beginning and is involved at the end. In between the beginning and the end, he's not involved. He's sleeping night and day. And during that period, the plant, what's the action is with the plant. The plant is germinating. The plant is growing step by step, the blade, etc., all the way until the harvest is right. Then the person steps in to this. It's, that's a surprise. Actually, our problem is two, twofold. Jesus told us in the first century, and we're in the 21st, Secondly, our second problem is none of us is a farmer, right? We're city folk, (laughs) right? We're urban dwellers. We're not farmers. So when you and I hear that story, we say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I get it. Simple. That's the way the world is. If you were back in that day and even you were a farmer today, you would say, what? What? That's not realistic, so think about it. You go to a farmer today. You tell me, I know what your life is like. Farmer in Ontario, growing grain, corn, wheat, whatever. You go to him and you say, I know what your life is like. Hey, you just go out there and you, you plant some seed. And then, you know, in the spring. And then you just eat it, you know. You go to sleep. You rise up. You watch TV. Go to the ball game. Go to the shopping mall. Whatever. Do stuff. And then a few months later, you come back and it's all grown and you harvest it. Your life is simple. What do you think the farmer would say? You're nuts. (laughs) Right? He would say, no way. You have no idea. He say, don't insult me. Farming is one of the most difficult. I get up in the morning, 6 a.m., I do this. I have to, I weed the crop. I, I, I plant it. I have to plow the ground up. I weed, I plant, I fertilize, I whatever. I retransplant. I do all kind of stuff. And to get it ready, I have to put on insecticide. I do all this stuff. I, buddy, I'm working every day, six days a week. What are you doing? He would tell you, farming involves me every day, involves my time, effort, energy, etc. I'm involved. What are you talking about? Okay, that's the point. The point is, 
This parable does not match reality today, neither did it match reality then. And that's the point. Jesus is saying, Jesus is not trying to tell us how farmers, you know, about nature, how farmers grow stuff today. Jesus, this is the kingdom of God. And the difference between this and the real world, that's the point. That's the key. That God's kingdom does not operate on the same way as the human kingdom. He's, Jesus is saying what? This is God's kingdom. It's God's mission, God's truth, God's salvation, God's gospel, God's life. God is behind it. God is doing it. And God, because of that, it will succeed. And it doesn't need you. It doesn't, you are not indispensable. It will gain the, it will produce and grow and, and get through regardless because God is behind it. That's the point. God is sovereign. It's God's gospel, God's mission, God's kingdom, and therefore it will grow, guaranteed. Guaranteed. Right? We sang the song, didn't we? The second song was entitled what? Yes, thank you. <laughs> it's the unstoppable God. Unstoppable God. So the, the message of this parable is telling us Yes, God is unstoppable, so the kingdom God wants will happen. It will grow and will produce in the end what God wants, his final kingdom. It will be fully here. It's going to get there. Why? It's God's mission, God's kingdom, God's life, God's seed. Okay, God is involved. The second parable simply reinforces that, the, the second of the pair. The mustard seed says what? The mustard seed parable says what? It starts small. The smallest, right? The mustard was, in that day, it was the smallest seed people were aware of, was the mustard seed, tiny. Yet it produced a sizable plant. Tree, if you stretch the meaning of tree, it was sizable, Right? That tells you, okay, yes, that adds the point. What Jesus started was started small, but it didn't stay small. That tiny seed produced a res produces a result, a plant, out of all proportion with the beginning. It grows and reaches something huge. That's God's kingdom too. Why? Because it's God's kingdom. It has that DNA. It has that element that will produce that result. Amen. Okay, brothers and sisters, this Jesus is telling you, be assured and telling the people, be assured God's kingdom will grow, will produce, will reach its goal. That's prophetic. You know, maybe to us it's obvious But think about it to the, through history. Many times people have predicted the extinction of religion and the extinction of the Christian faith. Many times. Karl Marx said, taught, this is 1860, he predicted that religion would vanish once the working class no longer needed the opiate 
of, of the life to come. Religion was something to, to satisfy uh, the working classes. Once they're liberated, they won't need that. Religion's over. Sigmund Freud used to be a highly respected uh, psychologist, developed psychoanalysis. Sigmund Freud, 1927, said, in the future, science will go beyond religion and reason will replace faith in God. In the future, science will go beyond religion. More science, less religion. And reason, human reason, will replace faith. Religion's over in general and Christianity. Let me ask you, who's right? Karl Marx or Jesus Christ? Right? Because Marx said religion's going to be over. Jesus said no. He's saying no. It's not over until everything is the kingdom of God. Sigmund Freud says reason replaces faith. Religion replaces, replaces those, right? Belief. Today, the, right? Marxism, you know, there's a, in society, in history, recent history, there's many isms. Marxism, socialism, right? Materialism, modernism, postmodernism, consumerism, <laughs> liberalism, conservatism, monetarism. Any more isms? Right? There's isms come and go, ideas come and go, philosophies come and go, right? But Jesus Christ, the faith in Jesus Christ continues and God's kingdom grows. Right? So we should not be this this these parables should encourage us. Jesus is optimistic expectant that his kingdom will grow. He's not intimidated by knowing what will come, by different teachings, by whatever. No, God's kingdom will grow. These other things will come and go, but God's kingdom will grow. Has it happened? Yes. Is it happening? Yes. Will it happen in the future? Yes. Amen. Amen. Right? So we should be optimistic. We should be hopeful. When you and I are involved in Jesus, his kingdom will grow. It wants to grow in you and it wants to go through you. It wants to grow with us as a congregation and through us. Yes, it may start small. That's what Jesus said. But it won't stay small. So sometimes, right? Even small things can have big results when God is involved. Amen. So let me tell you a little story about a man. This is a few centuries ago, but still. This who actually ended, a British man who ended up going to India. His name was Anthony Norris Groves. He lived in Exeter, Devon. I was there in that area last weekend. I didn't meet him. He died, <laughs> right? Anyway, he, le- he was a dentist, successful dentist in Devon, a Christian. He left there, and first he, he felt called by God to go to Baghdad. Would you like to go to Baghdad? Mm, he went, right? Back then, things are not that different than now. Uh, he was there after a year. Civil war broke out. For two years, there was a siege. There was famine. There was warfare. There were floods. There was cholera. There was plague. There was typhoid, where he was. It was hard, difficult, suffering. During that time, he got, they got one person saved. 
through all that. Then from there, he went to India. He labored in India for 20 years. After 20 years, he got sick, went back to England. In those 20 years, he gained a handful of people as believers in Jesus Christ. He went back to England and passed away. He felt that his mission and his labor was a failure. Why? He didn't see much result during his lifetime. However, God has a longer view. You know, we look at the, maybe we see, we don't see much. God has a longer view. So let me show you a graph for those who are like uh, graphs. Here you go. Yeah. See, a lot of times we expect, if you expect linear results, right, your straight line increase. God's kingdom works exponentially. That's the curve. Notice, in the beginning, you don't see much. You're below the straight line. And that area on the, is, is labeled disappointment. <laughs> Why? Because you don't see much. But then what God does with that, the little that's accomplished, God can make it grow exponentially. Okay, this man labored for 20 years, didn't see much, went back home to England, passed away, and he, and he basically concluded, my labors are a failure. That's his evaluation. After, out of the handful of people that he gained, there was at least one. It's a man by the name of John Christian Arulapan. He's an Indian in that area. He was helped and discipled by this man, Groves, and he continued, right? After three years, he raised up churches. He had 200 believers. Three years later, he had 300, right? Three years, you went from 200 to 300. You grew by 50%. Three years later, he had 800. That's an addition of 500. We have increased and not linear. We have, it's rising, an increasing rate of increase, right? So, and after that, 800, the next couple of years, there was revival. And you read his story, they don't even tell you how many people there were, Okay, so what this man started, yes, it was small. However, God took it and God used it to gain 300, 500, 800 people and more. It's exponential. Amen? So brothers and sisters, you know, think about that. God works in the principle of the mustard seed. It starts small, it starts small, but it doesn't end up small. It can grow, it can grow. So if the Lord is touching you, sometimes the Lord moves in you and I, talk to that person, right? I was on a plane coming back from UK, right? There's a young guy sat next to me, okay? Talk to him, interesting, amen. <laughs> He said, he said, you know, I came here on my way to Canada, but I left all my Canadian money at home. I don't have any, <laughs> I don't have any Canadian cash. My wife said, give him some money. <laughs> That's my wife. I gave him $20. I said, here, you can take your girlfriend out for a coffee. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> Amen. 
It's good. So, and it turned out he was a Christian. That was good. All right. So, you know, God, okay, something small, but God can use it. Right? God wants to use you and I in a small, you know. Years ago, somebody sat down next to me on a bus. And he talked to me about Jesus. Was that a big deal? No. It wasn't a big event for him. He talked, right? But that changed the course of my life. Amen. Praise the Lord. Right? Then he got off the bus and I went on my way. Okay? Okay, it's small thing. God can use small things to have a big impact. Right? God wants to use you and I. Okay, those are the parables. So, brothers and sisters, please, let's, you know, it's a privilege for us God doesn't depend on us. That's the first parable. There are four kinds of soil, right? The, first, the other two parables show us, yes, God is going to do it. God will make it happen. However, the first parable says, we can, God wants us to be involved. Are we in the right condition? Are we responsive? Four kinds of soil, only one is fruitful. The other things don't go so well. There is a part. If God cannot get through with us, God will still find a way. God will reach the goal. However, in that case, we miss out. If we're responsive to God, God can use us. That's a blessing to us. We will see God's kingdom grow. That's right. That's our blessing. That's amen. It's good for us. So one final quote. Let me give you this. On this, So the first parable is about us. Yes, God does want to involve us. And whether we can, how much we can cooperate depends. Okay, uh, Paul Agoda says this, based on right, Mark's gospel. God invites us to join in with the gospel. But it's not entirely, God is not entirely dependent on our doing so. If we don't join in, God is not stuck. We're not indispensable. The good news will spread with or without our involvement. We have a chance to be with. Let's cooperate. Let's respond to what the Lord, that's our blessing. We can participate in what God is doing. You know, maybe in small ways God can use us even this week. Please, don't despise the small things. It's a mustard seed. Right? It's not a walnut. It's not a watermelon. It's a mustard seed. It starts small. So maybe this week the Lord wants to use you, use me. Let's be open to that. Let's pray and we'll end here. Well, we thank you that you are God, that you, you, you've shown us you will get your kingdom, that you are the unstoppable God, that your kingdom will grow. We pray, Lord, thank you. Your kingdom's reached us. You've involved us. Lord, pray, Lord, we could respond to you. We could be responsive, Lord, that you could uh, use us, Lord, for the extension of your kingdom, Lord. Lord, you put us where we are in our work, in our school, in our neighborhood, in our living situation, Lord. Pray through us, your kingdom could grow. Lord, may we respond to you even the small ways and not despise the day of small things, but cooperate with you. Bless everybody here, we pray. Bless your word. May a word operate by your spirit in us and through us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the CIT Podcast. Our mission is to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. If you want to connect with us, you can visit us online at churchintoronto.com. We'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services this weekend. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God loves you.